Uh, so <clears throat> I, I was very curious last week uh, what, uh, who would be here today uh, coming, uh, th- this service sandwiched between our church members retreat and the Super Bowl. Um, and so uh, congratulations for making the choice to be here. My, my purpose being up here today is to uh, tell each of you why you made the right choice today. Okay, because I know for those of us who were at the retreat, uh, I know people were up late uh, doing different things. Uh, I think Settlers was one of them. Uh, I know for others, there's multiple Super Bowl parties going on. Uh, It starts at 5.30, by the way, um, which we will... Uh, somehow everything was moving so fast here. We'll we'll probably get done way in advance for you to get to one of those if you want to. But... uh, you're making a choice today to come, uh, and, and it's interesting uh, that the Lord in his sovereignty allowed this passage to be about why we should not give up meeting together. And I also think it, it was interesting, uh, on Friday night, the first night of the retreat, uh, our baby was, uh, had a fever, and so she was up all night. Uh, it was mainly Serena that had to, to nurse her, but none of us really got uh, sleep that night. And as a consequence, um, I went to bed really early uh, last night to try and recover, to be able to get up here and, and uh, share with you from God's Word. And there was a part of me that kind of missed out on hanging out. I, I actually really like settlers. Uh, I really like hanging out with other people from our church. But um, I missed out on that, and I almost feel like coming here today, at least for me, is like this opportunity to have a second chance at living out uh, today's passage. Um, it's, it's almost uh, why we have a time that seems to work for many of us who come here. Uh, I know that many of you who come, you've missed a service in the morning, so we're kind of like your backup, which is cool that you're, you're able to come. But I feel like uh, growing up... Um, I think I kind of dreaded Sunday nights, maybe because I was worried about school or work, but there was something that I uh, learned to relish if there was an opportunity to come together with other people who believed in in God and in Jesus to be able to huddle together one more time before heading off into the weary weary world that we have to go to on Mondays. Um, And and I think this is the opportunity uh, that we have here tonight. This passage uh, that Nicole read is only two verses, um, and I kind of wanted to keep it short, but I think it's important for us to understand the context. So I'm going to back up and read from verse 19 to 23, just those four or five verses that will help set this up. And they're kind of... uh, They're kind of really dense verses, but I'll break it down as quickly as I can just to give us a context before we jump into these two verses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 23. 19 starts off saying, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So this, uh, the book of Hebrews, um, it's, it's a little mysterious in that no one really knows who wrote it. But there is such a clear precedent of 
Jesus being pointed to as uh, the answer uh, for God's love and mercy to us. Um, this verse, these, two, these verses are trying to talk about there is this new way, this new covenant um, through Jesus that Jesus came once for all to offer himself as a sacrifice. And, then, and this is in contrast to what in the Old Testament they tried to sacrifice bulls and goats to use that blood uh, to, to make uh, atonement or to, or to uh, once a year or, or, or have this opportunity to uh, come to the Lord um, to have that be something um, to represent a, a uh, forgiveness uh, of sin. And yet the book of Hebrews is telling us that blood of bulls and goats, it's impossible for that to, to take away your sins. That, that it was only through Jesus um, that was the one that perfectly sacrificed himself to allow us uh, to be washed clean to a point where God, if you trust in this once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus, he will no longer remember your sins anymore. That, 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 that's the kind of forgiveness he's talking about. And then this, uh, these verses go on to say, because of that, therefore, we have the confidence to draw near to God um, back in the old days where people would literally be struck dead for approaching uh, the temple, uh, the most holy places, without this sacrifice being done, because of Jesus and his blood and this new way, uh, there was used to be a curtain in the Old Testament that would separate you from the most holy places. And what this verse is saying is that Jesus actually is that curtain, that his, his flesh that has been opened because of his sacrifice, that you have access now. And then the verse ends by saying that we should hold fast to this hope in this great priest uh, who is faithful to his promises. Um, so uh, there, there's this uh, concept to, to sum it up. Is it talks about um, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And then secondly, it says let us hold fast the confession of our hope and so uh, it leads us into our passage where we talk about how to stir up one another in love. Faith, hope, and love. You know from those who know the scriptures, for the, the love chapter, the 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And that's what we'll talk about today. This is the beginning of a call to action that in the book of Hebrews, after uh, nine chapters of theology, this uh, section here, verse 24 of chapter 10, begins the application part of the rest of Hebrews. So as you see the title of our series, we're talking about why do we do certain things at church, and today it's why do we fellowship? Why do we gather together? And the first uh, point, this is really uh, uh, taken directly from the Word of God itself, that um, the first point, why do we fellowship, is simply in, found in verse 24. It's to stir up one another to love and good works. To stir up one another to love and good works. It, it actually uh, reads, let us consider how to do this. Uh, this word consider uh, implies to pay attention, 
uh, to watch for possible weaknesses or failures in the community. Um, And then it tells us to consider how we would stir one another up to love and good works. At the retreat, um, one of our sister churches in St. Louis uh, called August Gates, the the lead pastor of August Gate uh, named Noah Oldham was our uh, main speaker as we covered the whole book of Philippians over the weekend. Um, One of the things that he said that I thought was helpful um, was when we come together as fellow Christians, um, we shouldn't we should not look at each other as rivals, um, that, that we, we come to stir each other up to love and good works, um, that we don't have to try to exalt ourselves because we know that for those who are humble, God will exalt. Um, we know that when, when it talks about stirring each other up to love, uh, This is this idea in in Romans 12, verse 10. It says, love one another with a brotherly affection. It's, if we're going to compete in anything, Romans 12, 10 goes on to say, outdo one another in showing honor. That we're we're trying to to be the one to show more honor than the other. That, That we we're looking to see who can honor each other better than anyone else when we come together. I mean, as I'm talking about this, this is making me feel like this is why we want to come. If we, if we live this out as a church, this is why anyone would want to come to church right before the Super Bowl and right after the retreat. Um, that, that if we really came, this is what we live out, that we, we stir, stir up. This is the idea of motivating or stimulating a high calling to love. And, and then it's, it's also to do good. We know that the emphasis is on love first because in, in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, it says, even if, if you give away all I have, all the good works that you can do, but if you don't have love, you gain nothing. So, so it's this calling to love first, that the, that the heart of being a disciple is to be continually trained how to love like Jesus. John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This, this idea of one another, it's, it's this responsibility of Christians to each other, to, to be in each other's lives. Um, I, I think of the many ways we see that here in our church. Uh, whenever somebody is trying to stir up love or to gather uh, people together in our church. Often it starts with sending an email and trying to, to, to rally people together to meet, uh, to, to stir up to love and good deeds, to, to do something. Uh, it, 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 it also looks like when we lead a discussion, somebody has to facilitate that, to ask questions. Um, this is all part of what it means to have this goal to stir up and to not give up, even if it's tiring to keep doing that, when there's no response or when people reject that or ignore or don't respond in, in a long time. It, it's, this is what the verse is telling us, to consider how we can keep stirring one another up to love and good deeds. Um, there's this idea of good deeds. 
uh, I think of the book of James that talks clearly that, you know, the, those without faith, without, with, with faith without works is dead. That if you're going to talk about God's love, but you don't show God's love and caring for them, your, your faith is dead. And, and I, I think of uh, how I've seen in this church people who have had a heart uh, to care for the poor, to serve them, stir up people in this church to help, whether it would be a, a, a ministry on the near west side or things that people have dreamed about, ways that they are gifted in to want to care for the poor, that these are the ways that we want to encourage those parts of the body to stir us up to action. Uh, I, I think of um, how this call to love is why uh, when some people come up to me or one of the pastors and they, they apologize for taking up my time by, you know, having something that has to be cared for, that, that I, I tell them, you, you never have to apologize for taking my time. This is my, my job. This is my joy. This is my priority. Above, you know, teaching or preaching even is how I can love those in our church and, and how I can do that as Jesus has done for me that I can convey this, this generous God that is never too busy for us when we ask him, that he delights to give good gifts to us. So that's the first point, that we, we fellowship, we gather together in order to stir one another up to love and good works. Second point is this. We, we also continue to fellowship because of this command in verse uh, 25, the beginning part of it, not neglecting to meet together. The second point is don't neglect meeting together. It it goes on to say, as is the habit of some, that even back then this was an issue. Uh, This idea of uh, the word neglect, uh, it has some roots that uh, liken it to forsake. It, It was similar to what Jesus said on the cross when he cried out to this father, why have you forsaken me? And and the same idea, don't forsake meeting together. If, if you look back, for those of you who are believers in Christ, if you think of some of your lowest spiritual points, has that coincided with when you've been alone? I, I think of when I've hit my lowest spiritual points, and I, I can trace it back to the times that I have not been a part of a church body, or I've stopped going for whatever reason for a period of time. That it, coming together as the body of Christ, this is really the only way we can grow, that the enemy has a way of speaking more loudly to you when you're isolated, when you're not meeting together. I, I even think for those of us in ministry, uh, when I was involved in, with uh, a campus ministry when I, when I was in school, I, I remember that the times that I was not meeting regularly with my leaders was the time that it almost seemed like I had the most questions or uh, distrust of my leaders or just thoughts of divisiveness, that the enemy has a way of getting us when we're not meeting together to create disunity among us. It's like the uh, uh, loneliness that new parents feel um, when they have their new baby, that oftentimes we want to give them space because we want them to help them transition to this new family. But what we don't often know is that that is some of the most spiritually isolating times when you're missing church, you're alone with this crying baby, and you're tired, and you have no opportunity to be encouraged by the body of Christ 
Um, so this is something that uh, we can really see lived out um, when people neglect meeting together. Um, this is uh, significant um, in that the continual meeting of a local church is really to worship and to fellowship together. Um, it, it should be noted when it says here that it was a habit of some to stop meeting. What, what was going, why, why was that happening? What was going on even back then? Uh, this, this idea of why, why was it that some people got into this habit? Um, th- this word habit implies an apathy of, of just not caring. And it might be easier for some to initially think that this is talking about people back then who were persecuted for their faith, and that's why they stopped going to church, because they were at the risk of losing their lives. But research, uh, for those uh, who have gone uh, and studied the history behind this, have discovered it, it actually uh, was due more to, uh, among the Roman culture of that day, the busyness that people had at their workplaces that was causing them to neglect coming together. In fact, those who were being prosecuted were probably meeting together more frequently. So this is actually something we can relate to. It it was because of the busyness of their own lives working that caused people to stop coming and gathering together. A a question I think that's helpful is why why should we not stop meeting together? Uh, In other words, why do I have to go to church? This idea of Christian perseverance. Uh, This is an idea that as Christians, we have to continue to endure things, that we are promised persecution. And and Christian perseverance can only be done in community, that that by meeting together. When when we want to last long in the Christian life, it, it has to be through being encouraged by a community that understands the trials that come, the persecutions that come when you follow Christ. And, and that, that requires spending time to be together. Further, it, it's throughout church history, it, it's been seen as uh, the lack of meeting together is actually fatal. It could kill your faith. Uh, it, it won't allow your faith to last because you, you can't be encouraged without, again, this continual meeting together. It, it's saying that this is it's spiritually dangerous with the pull of the world that, that already is all around us during the majority of our week. It's, it's a warning that, that this is serious enough that it threatens not only yourself, but it also threatens the life of the church. Uh, when we start uh, potentially renouncing faith, uh, when we start separating ourselves from church, and, and it uh, continues in, in a path down to prove that we don't really understand what the high priest Jesus did in allowing us to draw near to him and his people. I, I know that uh, this sounds heavier, and, and I certainly, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to imply that if uh, you're not here today, uh, that you're, you're the one that is uh, this is speaking to. This is talking about people who have just gotten in the habit of just not coming. And I know that for many of us, we've, people have come off a, a, a three-day retreat already. Um, but what, what this is speaking to, perhaps, is that 
if, if you've ever felt just tired or, or sick and, and you've missed a church service or small group, just to keep this in mind that the enemy may want to continue to keep you away and, and want you to feel tired of being around people, that as we heard a few weeks ago from uh, Pastor Chris when he was preaching on why do we sing, when we, when we come here and, and you hear singing, when you sing out, it, it's, yes, to worship God, and, and it's for yourself to do that, but it's also for others around us that may not have the voice or the strength to be able to sing that day. It, it's this idea that when we pray out loud, that though, Jesus, there's room for telling us to, to, to pray in secret, but then there are clearly prayers that are done together in the community. That, that's really to encourage those who either don't know how to pray or don't have the strength to pray, to be able to hear that, to be encouraged to hear those prayers. When you hear the word preached from here, it's not meant to be a substitute for, for you being fed on God's word during the week. But it's this way that we, we all depend on this word together, that we all have heard it together, that will spark the rest of our week together to, to be able to focus on a, a common strength and a power that we hear from his word. I know that th- though there are times when I've felt uh, either too sick or tired to come to church, I've never regretted when I've actually been able to come that when I've come and been in the fellowship of God's people, I, I've always been so glad that I actually ended up being here. And I'm, I'm sure this is something that many of you have experienced. The, the caveat to this, uh, and I just want to be careful to clarify, this is not telling you that you should come to attend every single meeting that the church has and to join every single ministry of the church. This is not meant to give you a guilt trip about not doing certain things and having a, a focus to your life uh, that has an intentionality um, that doesn't involve everything to do at church. But what this is saying is that having consistent and meaningful attendance at church where you are intentional about stirring one another up to love and good deeds, that that is allowing you also to be built up by his word, being encouraged by the fellowship of the saints to use your spiritual gift to help build the church up. If, if the greatest command that Jesus has given us is to love, how else can we do that practically without a spiritual family to practice this kind of love for one another? Uh, Pastor Noah at the retreat quote, uh, cited an interesting stat that the average length of time for somebody to stay at church without being plugged into a small group is about 18 months. In contrast, the length of time for somebody to stay at church if they are plugged into a small group is about eight years. If there's accuracy to that, I I think there is uh, something that is uh, stirring uh, people within an intentional community that they have intentional relationships to allow them to be a part of uh, persevering in the Christian faith and persevering even in being a part of this Christian community. The last part of this uh, point about uh, not neglecting uh, the fellowship or gathering together or or meeting together is simply don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, Like marriage, uh, we heard over the weekend, 
Uh, the joy of the covenant church community is this depth that is developed when we inevitably will sin against each other. We will hurt each other here in church. And yet, you still press into Jesus' love to stick together and learn how to forgive each other instead of just giving up. I think that's what Jesus is just talking about. The world will take notice if you really love like he loves. It's so different than the rest of the world where it would be just so easy just to leave. And, and, and until uh, he either returns or until your death, this is what we're called to do. That sometimes we, we need the help of others to be able to fight for joy, as we heard in our retreat theme, or to be able to uh, help overcome anxiety, that, that it's through hearing the prayers of others and, and, and having people intercede uh, for us that we receive a gift of being able to have the spirit or a strength that we didn't know otherwise was there. That, that we need others in order to be made more like Jesus. This is often really messy and it's hard, but this is also commanded and this is what God's design was us for, for us to be his church. Um, I, I think of uh, some counter-arguments that uh, some of you may have heard. You know, why not just uh, do like a virtual church online, right? I mean, there's plenty of those things uh, on, you, you know, you, you can, this is probably the age you can probably hear some of the best sermons than ever before in history uh, at your fingertips. You, there's a multitude to choose from. Why not just stay home and, and listen to sermons, and you could probably get much better teaching than you get here. Well, if you think about that, there, there's something that is a, a, a bit missing from that. In the same way of why when people talk about uh, Instagram uh, or whatever social media you use, somehow there, there's something missing from that. A, a, a more hideous or, or, or sad thing is that uh, when, when people uh, talk about the most sad thing about pornography for those who are uh, addicted is that it's not real. It's a fantasy. And, and in the same way, this idea of being a part of something virtual that seems to be there, it, it's not real. It's a, it's a place, if, if you're part of a, a, a virtual, if you want to call it a virtual church, it's a place that no one can really hurt you. It's, it's church on your own terms. You can, like social media, have, have friends without really knowing really the essence of who they are. It's this idea of being connected without really being connected. That, that you don't really see their bad stuff that they don't want to show you. It's no wonder that, again, it's talked over and over again about the, the, the depression that comes from people who spend a lot of time on social media when they compare their real lives with these fake images that they see of people's best filtered lives. If you don't believe me, some of you may have heard this, but you, you can uh, do what has been done, where one guy, I think, went to go and uh, looked at all of his friends on Facebook, and then he had an experiment to decide to go and actually visit all of his Facebook friends. And he went and, and went up to his first guy's house, and if you think about the, the horror that would happen to most people, uh, 
you, you recognize that if that's true, that, that you can't really go visit all your Facebook friends like your actual friends, if they really won't even let you in your home, then, then you have to really question, are, are they really your friends, even though they're called that on Facebook? If, if you have real friends that, say, you are socially connected with and, uh, so, on, on social media, um, but, but even those, if, if you only stay connected with them through what you see on social media, you only see the sides that they want you to see, and that's very different from having an actual relationship with someone in real life. Um, it, it's this idea that um, your, your relationships, um, we are not to give up meeting together, that, that this is what we have as a church, this opportunity to, to have real relationship that we meet together every week or more uh, in an opportunity to really see one another and to encourage or just, as we'll find out, as well as to stir up love and good deeds. Um, I think when we talk about being a real church versus a virtual church, you know, this is really what real church should be about, is when we come here, it's this opportunity for us to have a celebration every week for where our power, our strength, our allegiance really lies in the one that there is no comparison to, the the creator God of the whole universe who somehow loves us enough to want to invite us to be in a relationship with him and the people who also believe in him. It's to come together to have friends with the power of the Holy Spirit coming to encourage you, to stir you up, to speak truth to you in love, uh, to allow you to hear the word of God the very words of God that will last for eternity, to allow you to be prayed for, but also praying for others, to be used, to, to allow you to use your spiritual gift to build up this body, to huddle up again before we go back and face the world together. And yet, we know the temptations all around us, even you know, for, for those of us who may be going uh, to the next party after this to watch the Super Bowl, the world is constantly wanting to hear, let us hear the world's voices to allow us to drink from the world endlessly until we stop gathering together. There's also a question of why membership? And though this is not the sermon for that, uh, it, it's related in the sense of the question of do I, the question some people ask, do I have to go to church regularly even to be a Christian? Well, you can be saved still, and, and just be a part of the universal church, um, like a virtual, I guess, church in that sense that you just say that you're a Christian and then you're part of the big capital C church around the whole world. But unless you're actively part of a local church, you really do miss out on God's plan to show Christ to the world through you and in you. That by being part of a church, when you're actively involved, You have the opportunity to grow in your maturity, in your spiritual gifts, to be stirred up in love and good works, to persevere, to follow Christ when you're tempted or discouraged or being tested. And even for pastors, I think uh, there, there is this value of knowing who our members are, to know who we must shepherd, who we have the responsibility before God to take care of, and even to take the drastic steps if someone is not abiding in Christ and willfully remaining in intentional sin to even potentially revoke membership 
if that would help spare them from eternity without Jesus. So the third point, after we have talked about why we fellowship in order to stir one another up to love and good deeds and to not neglect, don't neglect meeting together, the third reason why fellowship is to encourage one another. Verse 25, the last part of it says, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the idea of not just coming to be encouraged, but we are to come here every week with a plan, with an intention to encourage somebody here. That we have learned that it is not enough to just be loved, but that should allow us to love others when we are really loved in a way that only Christ can love us. I, I learned when I was uh, younger that uh, without necessarily being born with a gift of encouragement, that when I was at church growing up, uh, as often a shy, uh, sometimes apathetic, uh, sometimes critical person, the, I, I can remember back to this retreat when I intentionally wanted to say something to help build somebody up. And I, and I saw the effect that that had on that person when I, I could see something that they were doing that God allowed them to do. And I, I spoke that to want to build and encourage them. And you know what? By, by saying that and seeing that reaction, that gave me a taste to want that, to do that again. It, it was contagious. I, I wanted to keep doing that. And I, I think this is really what is meant by encouraging one another, that, that we meet together to mutually encourage, but it's also to speak truth in love. It, it's this idea of having this strong encouragement to urge or to exhort people to the truth if they're not living in the truth. You could ask, why should we encourage? Why? We, we heard uh, from Pastor Noah this past week, he defined encourage as to fill with courage by opening up someone's soul and pouring Jesus into, into them to allow them to follow and obey and love him more and more. It's, it's how we build unity by caring for one another. There, there is uh, evidence back in the uh, early church days that they actually met daily for a, a small group or some type of house church or discipleship group for constant encouragement. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you catch that? That we exhort one another every day so that no one here would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's something about sin that is so tricky that this is the warning that, that you can, your heart can be hardened by it unless you are in regular community with people who love and follow God to help encourage you and even to exhort you, meaning that they would be willing to warn you or to correct you as well as to encourage you with love. That, that it's really our whole church's community's job to watch that no member is giving up or getting too tired. And I, I've been blessed to see people do that within our very church, that, that we love one another, and that requires us meeting together. You know, it's, 
very different from just simply hanging out with Christians. Because you can, you can hang out with Christians and never talk about Christ, right? This is coming intentionally to encourage one another, to stir one another up to love and good deeds. That we are uh, wanting to come here on Sundays or even on your small group days whenever they meet to ask yourselves, who am I seeking to encourage today? With his word or by praying for them or by my serving them or by my encouragement to them or just listening to them? Am I being faithful to gathering with my local church? And we, uh, it was a great reminder uh, we had yesterday about don't, don't presume that people have heard these encouragements, that, that we should speak what is unspoken because quite often people don't hear it enough, don't hear encouragement enough because they are hearing the voice of the world and the enemy more often than not. So it ends off by saying more and more, this day is approaching. Um, This idea that uh, judgment day is coming. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 to 28 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is an idea that uh, we, we have this sense of urgency in encouraging each other. That as we uh, even heard, was it last week when the death of Kobe Bryant? It, it's shocking to so many of us that life can go just like that. And we don't know when Christ will come back either. And, and so this is this urgency to continue encouraging each other. And to not give up. And uh, we know that um, even though we can sometimes forsake meeting together. We can forsake Christ's bride when we neglect meeting together. This is the assurance we can take away, is that he will never forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear What can man do to me? As I finish, um, some of you who've been to, I think, California have probably driven through uh, giant redwood forests or seen like these sequoia trees. I I think I see someone laughing back there, so maybe he's been through, uh, Grant. uh, But um, I, I actually, I think, went to one of these sequoia trees where it was large enough that they carved out a tunnel where you could drive your car in the middle of one of these sequoia trees. And these are just the most amazing trees that stand like skyscrapers, that they're so tall. But what's been really fascinating when people have researched uh, or studied up on these trees is that you would expect for trees to be that tall that the roots must go way far deep into the ground. And yet, the, the, the roots of these trees are very shallow. And when the strong winds come, they're able to stand because they are intertwined together with all the other trees. So the roots are shallow, but all completely intertwined. In the same way, I think that's a beautiful picture for us as a church, that 
though we may be our separate individuals coming together, our, our ties are inter- all intertwined together in order to help us stand when the rough winds of life come. That's why we continue to need encouragement. That's why we continue to need uh, each other so that we will hear our Lord's voice spoken through one another more than the voice of this world. Please pray with me.